You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my co-host and partner in crime. You know him, you love him as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, this weekend has been, I mean, you always expect the final roster cutdowns that weekend, the doorstep of the regular season to be busy with wire transactions, cuts, additions, all that. But this year in particular was a whirlwind. The Broncos, we're going to break each guy down, but the Broncos added seven new players since roster cutdowns who did not spend a single second on this this roster in training camp or preseason. Yeah, and that's a surprisingly high amount. We were just talking about that off off air, Chad, but there was so much turnover this weekend I wasn't expecting. I thought they would add one outside player, maybe two, maybe three at the most, but to have so many outside additions and to turn over the roster at key spots like punt returner and the backup tackles, Elway and Vic Fangio had a plan, and Elway kind of showed his hand in the last preseason game on the broadcast. He said he had a bubble list, and all the different comments he made suggested they're going to be active, but I didn't foresee that active. But, you know, hopefully these additions pay off for them because they're backups. Like we talked about the players they released, Chad, did not have much league-wide interest. That's right. What Zach is speaking to specifically is that the Broncos – now, not all of them were waivers, but the Broncos cut – 36 players, okay, between Friday and Saturday. Not a single one of them were claimed off waivers, which has to be – it's the first time in recent memory I can think that the Broncos didn't have one of their roster cuts claimed by someone else because here's the thing. If you get claimed off waivers or if a team is going to claim a player off waivers in the final cuts like that coming out of preseason, you have to sign them to the the active roster, not the practice squad. Now, after they passed through waivers, the Broncos had several – players who ended up signing with outside teams on the practice squad, but they weren't claimed on waivers. So for example, Sam Jones, he signed with the Cardinals, former six round pick from last year, gone reunited with Sean Kugler down there in the desert. Also his college stomping grounds at Arizona state. I think Jamal Carter was Arizona or uh, Atlanta. You had uh, Brett Rippon. He garnered some interest, but ultimately decided to stand pat, stay home with the Broncos and Rich Gangarello. But yeah, kind of, you know, kind of sobering, as we touched on a little bit privately, Zach, to see that not one of those players the Broncos cut, including Sua Cravens and some of the other big-name former draft picks, did the did the outside league have any interest in. Yeah, you're right, and you brought up a good point off-air that they – I can't remember the last time no Broncos – final cuts were claimed by another team last year even d'angelo henderson has had some interest there uh you know they they snuck jeff holland by we thought everyone would claim him last year they didn't do that so it speaks to the level of, i think of the Broncos scouts and the particular eye and the scope in which they they look for prospects we have to hope though that their talent evaluation was on point this year because they made a lot of questionable i would say moves arguable moves that we're going to get to in just one second here yeah we got a lot to get to today man Tons and tons of topics to dive into. But first, just a couple of quick matters of business. You guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter. This is especially a salient point for all of our new listeners. At HuddleUpPod, that's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're on YouTube and you're a new listener, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Big, big difference in terms of making sure you are notified every time we produce a new pod or a new video on YouTube. 
And if you're on Apple or uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review. Give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear, because each and every month, we're going to give away some swag to a random reviewer on Apple Podcasts, whether it's Mile High Huddle swag, Huddle Up Podcast swag, which is coming down the pike. And we also, Zach, have a quick matter of business to announce the winners of August's reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let's, let me, we, we pulled it out of a hat. We're going with two guys, okay? Two guys are getting some Mile High Huddle swag. The first one goes to at Jordan31Johnson on Apple Podcasts. Phenomenal review. We really appreciate you. And then also Kyle Powell, 35. You would get some swag as well. So here's what you do, guys. To claim your prize, email us at milehighhuddle at gmail.com. We'll get your particulars, your address, where to send the, the swag, and we'll get that out to you ASAP, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Fantasy football fans, you got to listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, and we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million in real money. It is absolutely enormous. It's huge. It's season-long. But there's no management. You just set it, you forget it. So instead of agonizing over your lineup every single Sunday, Draft does the analysis for you, gives you the most efficient, best odds to win your matchup lineup week in and week out. You do a draft, 16 weeks later, you could be a millionaire. Literally, it does not get any easier than that. It's the highest rated fantasy app, and it's available on the App Store and Google Play Or you can just go online to draft.com. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right. A free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Also a phenomenal way to support the Huddle Up podcast. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, it is, uh, again, a lot of information to get to. Before we dive into these seven new players, though, that the Broncos have added, before we even get to the practice squad, to the 53-man roster, there's a topic that 
has really been bugging me over the weekend, and that is the idea, you know, on Monday, for example, the Broncos officially announced that they placed three players on injured reserve. To wit, Drew Locke, Theo Riddick, Jake Butt. Now, we knew from what Elway said on Saturday at his press conference following all the rust- roster cutdowns that these three were going on, on IR, but it's kind of been open to interpretation, or at least assumed, that Drew Locke was coming back. But I want you guys really quick, I'm going to play a clip of John Elway talking about the conversation he had with Drew Locke when he informed him, hey, we're going to put you on IR. And we're going to, on the other side of this quote, we're going to listen to a clip, I should say, from Elway. I'm going to explain to you why I'm starting to doubt that the Broncos have any uh, plans, let's say, at least right now, to actually bring Drew Locke back. Here's, here's what Elway said real quick. We'll have to wait and see how it goes. I mean, I think the most important thing is getting the, the best 53. And so, you know, with where Drew is, you know, obviously we'd like to have him on the practice field, but, you know, he's got that thumb that's going to be six or eight weeks. And so it's going to be longer with a quarterback with a thumb. So, you know, we need that spot. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so Drew's going to – my discussion with him today, it's, it's not a year off for him. You know, he's going to be able to do everything other than be on the football field. And so – you know, and then he'd be able to work on his own and do some different things there too. So, expect him to continue to work hard and and uh, you know get a good feel with everything and you know keep learning with the offense, understand what he's doing there, and be right in the middle of everything. All right, so Zach, what I want to draw everyone's attention to here, and maybe it's a Freudian slip, maybe not, maybe I'm putting on a tinfoil hat here, but when Elway said in that clip, "quote So my discussion with Drew today was it's not a year off for him." To me, it sounds like they're planning on on Drew Locke being on IR for the year. And I hope I'm wrong, but really what it comes down to is when he first injured his his thumb, that was on August 19th. We're already two weeks late uh, later from that, right? We initially heard Zach five to six weeks on Drew Locke, on his thumb. Now, two weeks later, we're being told by Elway on Saturday that it's going to be an additional six to eight weeks, perhaps a Freudian slip there on it's not a year off. My gut reaction, my uh, gut inclination let's put it that way is that unless the broncos are like at sub 500 if they're like you know sitting at three and five or something like that come the middle of the season when the broncos have to make their decisions on which two players they bring on bring off ir unless that's the case i think the team plans on icing drew lock for his rookie year because the team and uh, added brandon allen off waivers we're going to talk about him here in just a few minutes an unproven quarterback yeah he's he's exciting there's some upside to him there but he hasn't played one single regular season snap. So to me, that's a guy who they see some upside in, just enough experience to get out there if something happens to Flacco, make some noise, handle things, keep his finger in the dike. But Drew Locke, I think he's going to be on ice this year. What are your thoughts? I tend to agree with you. I don't think there's much tinfoil to be put on either one of our heads right now. This thumb spring was always kind of mysterious, and it was always kind of cryptic the way they never put a firm timetable on what he was dealing with nor how long he would be out. And it seems to me that it's it's a lot worse than a bad sprain. It seems to me that there's some ligament damage or something affecting his grip on the football. Remember, it's his throwing hand. If this was his left hand, let's say, he can get by. Elway, I don't think, would want to risk his his long-term chip. And that's what everyone has to realize, that Drew Locke was always going to be for 2020. As well as he might have progressed this summer if he wasn't injured, he was always a 2020 and beyond prospect. The fact that they did not sign a a more experienced veteran like Brian Hoyer, the fact that they signed a younger guy in Brandon Allen would 
signal to me in the short term for Scangarello, for this coaching staff, they want him to be that young developmental guy behind Joe Flacco and let Drew Locke rest. Remember, the Broncos in the past had no problem redshirting players. Did it with Jake Butt, did it with Jake uh, Troy Fumagalli. They would rather give them time to come back healthy and see what they can do and then maximize their long-term potential instead of risking it now. I, I tend to agree, though. I don't think uh, – Borrowing anything surprising from Joe Flacco or a, a more quicker recovery from Drew Locke, I think come week eight when they have to make that call, uh, they'll shut him down for the for the remainder. Yeah, and the, the thing is, I actually expect this team to do well. I think this is going to be a team that surprises people out of the gates. I, I don't think they're going to be hurting come week eight when the Broncos have to make that decision. And so that's why I'm thinking Locke's staying. He's staying on IR. But the question is, Zach, is that the right decision? Is that what's not only best for Drew Locke, but is that also what would end up being the best thing for the Broncos short and long term? Because the biggest thing that you, and even Elway spoke to it in that clip, that you miss out on when you're on injured reserve is you are not able to participate on, on the practice field one whit. Okay, there are league rules prohibiting that. Yeah, you can sit in on meetings. There's, you know, the classroom aspect. You can take mental reps. He's got the virtual reality program that he's been doing. And that all helps. But it takes a backseat big time to actually participating in practice. And then, of course, getting game reps. Now, odds are he wasn't going to see any game reps this year anyway because Flacco's the guy. But you're spending a whole you're, – you're forsaking, let's say it that way, an entire rookie year in which – Drew Locke could be practicing with the twos, playing with competent, good, you know, starter caliber or hovering at starter caliber players to hone and develop his skill set. Whereas now, if this is ends up, ends up being how it shakes out, he hits the practice field again next spring, and he's no he's not going to be anywhere close to where he would be if he would have had all year long to practice with his teammates. That's my biggest concern. Now, are you preserving him from being exposed to any further injury or? Or if things go sideways with Flacco and it ends up being Allen that falls on that sword halfway through the year and not Drew Locke. Well, maybe that's true, Zach, but you want Drew Locke if things go south with Joe Flacco. The Broncos have tried it the other way since Peyton Manning went down. They tried the whole let's keep him out of the fire thing with their young quarterbacks from Paxton Lynch, with the exception of Trevor Simeon, but from Paxton Lynch, even Chad Kelly, they tried the whole idea – Let's keep the discussion to Paxton Lynch. The whole idea of he's not ready, let's wait, you know, he, he needs to learn on the sideline, then we'll throw him in. That formula did not work. The best way, and even Elway has said this, and he said it before he became a front office guy, but he said the best way for a young quarterback to learn is to play. And so if things did go sideways with Flacco, or if he got hurt, or if the team's not doing well halfway through this year, I'm honestly of the belief that the best thing for Drew Locke, the best thing for the Broncos would be to pull him off of injured reserve, let him get up to speed for a week, maybe two, and then put him in and let him finish off the season if, you know, the Broncos aren't competitive. Yeah, Chad, on paper, that definitely sounds good. But the question as to whether it's in the best interest, as to whether it's the right decision, only the Broncos know. Only Elway knows and the medical staff knows. We don't know because we don't know the full extent of the injury. And I'm willing to bet it's a lot worse than just a bad thumb sprain at this point. Maybe the fact that it's his throwing hand, like I said, him gripping the ball, uh, maybe that has something to do with it. But they don't want to risk Drew Locke because any progress he would have made this year, Chad, would not have been enough to push Joe Flacco. He still had ways to go in the summer. He was not even close to being fully ready yet. He's still a 2020 guy and beyond. So if I think that I kind of can understand Elway's thinking after all these years, I would assume uh, he would stash him for a while, see how he heals. And if he's anywhere on the schedule, they believe six to eight weeks and Flacco's 
averaging decently out in this offense, they'll rest him for the year, uh, hang around the facility, take mental reps, stay in your virtual reality, come back next offseason, hopefully maybe have a chance to compete for the starting job. The other thing to consider here, Zach, is that Joe Flacco, his contract next year balloons up to $20.25 million. The year after that, $24 million and some change. The model for the, for the NFL, if you look back the last 10 years, NFL teams, many of the world champions, not counting the New England Patriots and not counting the Broncos world championship, but a lot of those other ones have come from a, the model of it's a young quarterback on a rookie contract where the team has been able to invest in other aspects of the roster, go out, strike while the iron's hot. That, to me, I mean, we'll see how this shakes out with Joe Flacco in 2019, possibly 2020. But to me, if there's any hope that you can get starter-level production out of Drew Locke sooner rather than later, that's what's in the best interest of the team, not only short-term, long-term. So that's my biggest concern is, like, the Broncos, once again, if it's really what nags at me here, Zach, is, is once again it seems like the Broncos are making all of their decisions based entirely on the short-term what's convenient, what's expedient in the short term, which can and oftentimes does and oftentimes has in recent history cost the Broncos in the big picture down the road. You know, to that point, as much as we commend Elway for for changing and being flexible this offseason and, and looking himself in the mirror, he's not going to change every single aspect about him. And, and he's still a guy who has no problem kicking the can down the road. He's still a guy who, as you say, looks in the short term. And we just have to believe that he finally made the right call at the quarterback. And that's what I also think contributes to this and his handling of Drew Locke and, and being so cautious with him. He doesn't want to mess this up. He, he really can't afford to botch another quarterback, young quarterback acquisition after Paxton Lynch, after Brock Osweiler, after that whole disaster last year with Case Keenum. He cannot afford it. So he wants to make sure that he always sold Locke as a 2020 guy in beyond and he wants them healthy for 2020 and beyond all right well we'll 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 see how it shakes out also the broncos might end up needing theoretic they might end up needing jake butt so we'll see how that shakes out but it's a it's a consideration now that'll be two months down the road regardless for drew lock and the denver broncos now let's turn the page really quick and talk about uh, the seven new additions the broncos made since roster cutdowns, well, let's say six, because Duke Dawson came on Friday, but the trade. But let's go through these real quick. Over the weekend, here's who the Broncos added. We, we touched on, Zach, in the gut reaction pod, who the cuts were. Broncos fans by now are well aware of who got cut. Let's talk about these seven guys who are new to the squad. And the first guy, he's familiar to everybody. He's, he's a guy that was drafted in the seventh round back in 2014. He was a special teams maven on that Super Bowl 50 world champion squad. Corey Nelson and the Broncos they said goodbye to him he thought the grass was greener elsewhere in uh, I think it was 28 after the 2017 season so the 2018 free agency period he went and signed with Philadelphia things didn't go so well there then he landed in Tampa was his most recent place they cut him and the Broncos are bringing him back because they think he can not only contribute on special teams Zach but also play you know he's he's sneaky good as a coverage linebacker so it'll be interesting to see exactly how he fits in but my concern here is they're carrying six linebackers again, six off-ball linebackers, just like last year. We'll touch on the entire roster here in, in just a few minutes, but they're carrying six off-ball linebackers once again. And Corey Nelson, aside from making an impact on special teams, it's going to take him a week or two to get up to speed on the defense. And that really pisses me off about the inside linebacker thing. I, I like the the readdition of you know the reentry of Corey Nelson. We talked about it last pod chat. He's he's 
pretty good in pass coverage. He graded out really well in 2016. He can help the Broncos there for sure. But the fact that they're carrying that many inside linebackers is to overcompensate for the special teams once again for a second straight year. And if they just had that sorted out, they wouldn't have to go so top-heavy and bring back players like Keyshawn Bierre, who we'll talk about in a second. But I happen to like this uh, this addition. Among the group they brought in, Nelson's among the top here. Good on specials, good on defense, good in the locker room. There's no downside to this, uh, this move. I agree. This is a move that I can absolutely rubber stamp. Someone familiar. I'd rather the Broncos go out and get Corey Nelson at this stage as a backup depth linebacker then go and try and rekindle things with Brandon Marshall, for example, yeah, who was 100% cut by the Raiders. All right, next guy is a corner that arrived via, um, well, the Cincinnati Bengals waived him, Devontae Harris. Now, he's a guy who the, the, the Bengals drafted in the fifth round a year ago. He got hurt early on, had to redshirt almost the entirety of his rookie campaign. I think they brought him out off of IR late in the season. He appeared in three games. It was a pretty nondescript three-game run for him at the end of the Bengals' 2018 season. And then at the end of this training camp, they waived him. So he's a guy that comes in. He's young. The Broncos, he's another guy similarly to Duke Dawson, who we'll touch on here in a second. But he's a guy the Broncos liked. One of the questions that has continually come up from listeners and fans on Twitter, I think both you and I, our mentions, have gotten questions on this topic, is with the Broncos adding two kind of young corners that were highly thought of in the draft within the last two drafts. What does this mean for the future or what the team expects to be the future for Chris Harris Jr.? Yeah, I actually answered this question on Twitter, and this his future with the Broncos, Chris Harris, this was set, Chad, last season and well before his holdout or whatever and well before all the other drama this offseason. The fact that he gave them indications last year he wanted an extension, he wanted to be paid. They froze him out. They signed Kareem Jackson. They signed Bryce Callahan. They signed Devontae Bosby. They waited until the last possible minute, until he actually missed practice time and held out of team activities to reward him a little bit incrementally for this season. So, I mean, apart from Elway coming out and saying he's not coming back next year, he's not coming back next year. Apart from an MVP-type season or Kareem Jackson and Bryce Callahan both failing. I mean, there's no way he's either going to price himself out out of the Broncos' range or Denver's going to have no reason to bring him back. So this is the last thing that signals that move. In terms of Harris, though, I don't know much about him. I didn't read up too much on him, but I thought it was interesting the Broncos gave Nelson a one-year deal, gave Harris a two-year deal. So they obviously have some sort of upside or uh, long-term plan, and that, too, signals he's not just a one-year rental. They are rapidly rebuilding the secondary, and Harris is not going to be a part of it next season. I agree with you on Chris Harris. Just really quickly, the only thing that is going to return him to the Broncos in 2020 and beyond is him going out and having a 2014 Harris type of season where he's really high profile with the analytics darlings. He's getting all pro nods. He's pro bowler. That might force the hand of the Broncos to bring him back in. But to me, Zach, what these two moves, both Dawson and Harris, really speak to are the concerns possibly with uh, Bryce Callahan's foot. That's what I think here is probably a more pressing issue is just how big, how much are the Broncos really worried about that foot? Because Callahan, of course, was signed in the second wave of free agency, mainly because teams were worried about that foot that cost him the final, I don't know, not maybe not the final quarter of the season, but I know he missed the last two games for the Bears last year. And that's why he ended up taking maybe a little bit less money. Second wave guy comes in, $7 million a year. The Broncos sign him. He looked dang good in OTAs. He looked dang good to open up training camp. And then his foot starts bothering him. And he didn't appear in a single preseason game. So to me, if anything, Zach, this is more of a 
preemptive move to hedge against any possible further complications from Bryce Callahan than it is long-term preempting what might, you know, any possible loss with Chris Harris. Yeah, that's true too. And 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 Callahan's foot though, that's been a thing all offseason. And and Fangio is kind of getting a little impatient now. They the Broncos shelled out pretty penny for him. And that's why he lasted until the second wave. That's why they got him for the rate they got him at. This also, though, the Harris edition to me, also screams about uh, Isaac Adam. Once again, they signed another corner. This is a third-round draft pick. So are the Broncos admitting at this point that he's nothing more than a dime corner, a number five corner? They're bringing in all these players, giving them multi-year deals. I don't know how well he stands with the, with the regime. He looks a little better this season, this preseason, Chad. But to bring in all these new players and, and kind of bury a third-round pick, I don't really know about that. Yeah, we'll see. And I don't think necessarily, I mean, if for for some reason that foot continues to be a, a worry and a concern and it keeps Callahan out from meaningful snaps in the first couple of weeks of this season, I think the most immediate beneficiary out of the gates is going to be Isaac Yadam and, of course, Devontae Bosby, unless proven otherwise, unless they get their opportunity and they fail. But Yadam looked really good this summer, and Bosby mm-hmm. looked good as well. So I think those are going to be your three guys, Harris, if something happens to Callahan, Chris Harris, Yadam, Bosby, because it's going to take time for Devontae Harris. It's going to take time for uh, Duke Dawson to get up to speed. So let's turn the page. Duke Dawson, you know, we already touched on Duke um, when we did the gut reaction, but he's a guy who is a very versatile and physical defensive back. The Broncos have visions for him as a, as a corner and possibly as a safety He's a guy that I think similarly can do a lot of the same things that a Kareem Jackson can do in the eyes of Vic Fangio. Yeah, and you know, he was a second round pick from the Patriots, and to get him for pretty much a song, it was a good pickup for Denver. Versatile guy, can do a lot, and also a Bill Belichick guy. And he already came to Denver, and he's talking like he's still a Patriot. It's all about the team, all about um, the, the name on the on the front of the jersey, not in the back of the jersey, and that's important for this this locker room. There's a lot of different personalities in there, a lot of new moving parts, and to have those locker room guys with experience uh, definitely helps. All right, we still got a couple more guys, including Brandon Allen, we're going to get to here in just a second, the newcomers. First, a quick break. We'll be right back. Listen up, you guys. It's a fact. Refinancing your credit card balances can lower your interest rate and save you money. And you don't have to be a financial expert to do it. Right now, you can get a credit card consolidation loan from our friends over at Lightstream with a rate as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay. That's lower than the average credit card interest rate, over 19% APR. And that means that you could literally save thousands of dollars in interest. Get a loan from $5,000 up to $100,000. And there are absolutely no fees, no application fees, no origination fees, no transaction fees, no prepayment penalties. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Consumer debt is a major plague upon our American society. Millions of families suffer from it. Let Lightstream help relieve that burden. Just for our listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash huddle up. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash huddle up. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash huddle up for more information. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach, let's talk about Brandon Allen. Now, he's a quarterback who the team and fans got a long look at in the third preseason game, uh, excuse me, the fourth preseason game for the Denver Broncos this summer. And when the LA Rams, when the Broncos played the Rams, and he had himself a pretty nice game against the Broncos, didn't throw any picks. He had that beautiful connection on their first possession that went for 51 yards. I think it burned, uh, they burned, uh, Devontae Bosby and Sua Cravens on that play, if fans can think back. But he's a guy, former Arkansas standout. He's one of those small hands guys, which hurt him in the draft. He ended up being a sixth-round pick back in 2016, I believe, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. His hands are like eight inches, seven-eighths, whatever. But as we know, the small hands thing doesn't bother Sean McVay because, you know, he's he's a big guy on Jared Goff, who's nine-inch hands. Brandon Allen ends up getting cut by by the Jaguars, ends up with the Rams for a couple of years, and he started to develop. He's got a base understanding of, as Eric Trickle puts it, the father scheme, right, the Shanahan scheme, which is what McVay's ran, uh, running in L.A. and what Rich Gangarello is going to be running here in Denver. The verbiage might be a little different. might take him a week or two to get up to speed on some of the verbiage differences. However, the base concepts, how to operate, how to read, all that stuff Brandon Allen has good familiarity with at this point. He's been two years in the system. So that's a plus. The downside, Zach, if the Broncos were looking for that quote-unquote fail-safe in case something happens to Joe Flacco in the first half of the season, Brandon Allen doesn't bring real playing experience, at least at the NFL level, to the table. All of his game reps since he's been in the league have come in the preseason, not a single regular season snap, and that obviously also means not a single regular season start. So what are your thoughts on the Allen addition? Well, I mean, obviously he's known to be a McVay pupil, but what I like about it, he has more upside than a Brian Hoyer, who the Broncos were sniffing around, way more upside, higher ceiling, at least as a backup. Uh, He's about as experienced as Kevin Hogan was, and he's a better short-term project for Scangarello than Brett Rippon. To me, there's no reason or downside to this move for Denver, but it's interesting to me they would go with a younger kind of upside project backup instead of a, like you say, a failsafe in Hoyer. Is it that another reason why, like we talked about, Drew Locke may be a permanent IR candidate this year? I don't mind this, though. I wasn't crazy about Hoyer. I didn't think he offered much to this team. They tried that with the veterans in the past. And you have to keep bringing in as many young quarterbacks, Chad, until you find that surefire franchise guy. Keep swinging for the fences until you hit a home run. It doesn't matter if you sign Joe Flacco. It doesn't matter if you drafted Drew Locke. You have to keep turning over every stone. So the fact that Elway's doing it here with a former uh, McVay guy who has familiarity in the system, I'm all for it. Trickle published on Sunday kind of a Cliff Notes scouting report on each of these seven new guys. And let me just read a quick excerpt of what he had to say about Allen. Trickle said, quote, Allen's arm is solid, but you can see some issues when attacking the deeper parts of the field and some issues with zip on the ball as well. 
What he brings is someone who has a lot of experience in the father system the Broncos run offensively, namely the Shanahan scheme. With there being little time to teach a new scheme to a QB, the Broncos had to find one who would have some familiarity with it to help speed up the process. Allen was a player I liked as a potential backup QB when he was entering the NFL. He was drafted to the Jags, but wasn't on the roster for long before ending up with the Rams. There have been some positive reviews about the young quarterback with his smarts and his work ethic. Will he be the only quarterback brought in? Only time will tell, but bringing in another veteran shouldn't be ruled out. To close the quote there from Eric Trickle, do you think there might be another move in store? Maybe not out of the gates, but... If, uh, let's say, in the next quarter, this uh, uh, the first quarter of this season, do you, could you see the Broncos maybe bringing in someone, depending on how other rosters shake out, potentially other cuts around the league? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're pretty all in on Flacco. They have Allen here as a number two. They have Locke, you know, dangling between IR. They have Rippin back on the practice squad. They're pretty much set between uh, quarterbacks here. So I'd be surprised if they brought in another veteran guy later down the road. I agree. Can't rule it out. It is the NFL. You never know. But I think the Broncos are happy to roll with the two they have for now. And they'll possibly take another look and re-examine closer to Week 8 with Locke. But as we mentioned in the first segment, sounds like he's on ice as a rookie. Now, let's move on to the next guy the Broncos claimed off waivers, Corey Levin. He's a center-slash-interior guard guy, offensive line. And he's someone that what we've heard is a guy that Mike Munchak's kind of been keeping tabs on since he entered the league with the Tennessee Titans a couple of years back. So... Initially, Jake Rogers made the squad after they claimed Levin. They bounced Rogers. So for now, we'll get to the 53-man roster here in the final segment. But for now, what it sounds like, Zach, is you've got Corey Levin as your backup center to Connor McGovern. You've got Austin Schlotman as the swing guard guy. And then, of course, Elijah Wilkinson as your swing tackle. I like this, if only for the fact that he's a true center, and they're not going to be converting a guard or converting a tackle or whatever behind McGovern, a first-time starter who's had snap issues with shotgun and fumbling issues and high balls. Uh, he, the Broncos need someone just in case uh, he doesn't work out and this guy can you know, slide in right away. And if Munchak likes him, if Munchak pounded the table, as we've seen over and over this offseason, the Broncos jump you know, as soon as he talks. So I, I like this move. They need depth. They need guys. We always talk about it every podcast. They don't have the young developmental prospects, the long-term guys. Well, maybe Levin could be that guy. So we'll see what happens. All right, the next guy here, the Broncos brought in a, another cast-off from the New England Patriots, Mr. Andrew Beck, a tight end slash fullback. Now, Jake Budd, of course, going on IR, is on IR now. And Andy Janovich, Elway said on Saturday, probably going to miss another two or three weeks. So the Broncos do, it sounds like, expect to get Janovich back toward the end of the first quarter of this season. Meanwhile, the plan from what we're hearing is that Beck is going to play that fullback role for the Broncos until Janovich gets healthy, which frees up Jeff Hireman, Noah Fant, and Troy Fumagalli to basically stick to playing tight end. And stick to, to being a pass catcher first, which is their biggest strengths collectively. And I like this. The, the Broncos, for at least a year now, have needed a true, strict blocking tight end on the roster. They haven't had that. And with Noah, Noah Fan up in the air and you know his his development, and Hireman's on a great blocker, and Fumagalli's a national pass catcher, I like having a guy who can come in and be that extra offensive lineman or be a fullback to help out the running game. So this was a nice pickup for them. Yeah, he's an undrafted rookie out of Texas this year. And so he's, uh, he's just getting started. We'll see if he can find a way to hang on beyond the first quarter of this season. But meanwhile, he's a, a short-term fill-in, at least, at fullback for the Broncos. Now, the last guy the Broncos brought in um, is Deontay Spencer, a wide receiver slash punt returner who basically pushed 
River Craycraft entirely off the roster. Now, let me read quickly here a uh, uh, excerpt from Trickle's Cliff Notes scouting report on Deontay Spencer. He said, quote, What stood out watching him was when he first caught the punt, he would take that brief moment to scan the field before starting his return. Patience is needed as a returner, but you can't be overly patient. It was a good preseason for Spencer, and he could be a big weapon for the Broncos on special teams this year. Close quote. And one thing Fangio said at uh, after practice on Monday is that this guy clearly is an experienced returner, electric. He's got some speed. I think I read four threes when he entered the league. Also a guy who was a CFL Canadian Football League all-star as a returner. So might be the Broncos finally found someone who can make some hay, not only secure in that catch, which, which is so important to him after the Isaiah McKenzie depredations, but a guy who might be able to pick up some positive yardage and help in the field position battle. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about McKenzie. I, I, I don't really care about hearing about how fast he is or what he can do. Just catch the ball and and secure it and maybe get 10 yards, maybe pick up a first down and go down and give the offense a chance and not turn the ball over. That should be the bare minimum job responsibility of Spencer. He happens to be quick in, in practice today. He happened to field uh, nine or 10 consecutive punts and he held on to them all. So maybe like you said, maybe this is the year, knock wood, they finally found that 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 sure-handed punt returner who in a secondary role, not his primary responsibility, can be explosive. I just want a guy, though, Chad, can hang on to the ball and not fumble it. It's not asking a lot. All right, let's touch on really quick the 10-man practice squad, which is solidified at least for now, Tell someone else better comes along you know, down the road because that's kind of how it works in the regular season. You see transactions going on as the season stretches in. So here's who made the 10-man squad for now. Brett Rippon was re-signed. Quinn Bailey, the offensive lineman, re-signed. Fred Brown, wide receiver, who had a strong preseason, was re-signed. Ahmad Gooden, the undrafted rookie edge rusher, was re-signed to the squad. Elijah Holder, the undrafted corner, the long physical cornerback who quietly had himself a solid camp in preseason, re-signed. Tyler Jones, offensive lineman, who was a late addition to training camp, but the Broncos really like him. At NC State, he was a left tackle. He was an All-American, but he doesn't quite have the size to be an NFL tackle, so he projects more as an interior guy. Your boy, Kalfani Muhammad, re-signed. Jake Rogers, who initially made the roster and then had to be waived, passed through uh, waivers and was re-signed. So he's your backup backup swing tackle behind Elijah Wilkinson if things happen or the injury bug strikes. Then you got Deion Sizer, the undrafted defensive lineman from CSU Pueblo. And Josh Watson, another guy, the linebacker, undrafted rookie who made this roster initially and then was waived to make room for Keyshawn Bieria and Corey Nelson. So that's your 10-man squad. What jumps out to you there, Zach? I mean, most of these are pretty standard. They bring back the players they cut, the players that had some sort of chance to to blossom in this scheme. I'm just happy they brought back Rippon, Muhammad, and Watson. Especially Watson. I mean, this guy was getting first-team reps, and he was actually performing really well. The Broncos might have another uh, late-round gem, another late find in, in Watson. But Muhammad, to me... It's a numbers game. That's the only reason right now he's not on the 53. If they would have had one opening in that backfield, he did enough in the preseason. And fortunately, uh, not enough for other teams to snatch him. But I like this guy. He can be around for a while. And they still need him with Booker being maybe in his last year, Riddick up in the air with his injury. They need another guy like that. So I like his talent. Well said. Well, that's going to do it. You know, we, we kind of ran long covering the topics we did at the top and the second segment of this show. 
We're going to get to the 53-man roster, but let's just put it on ice uh, for tomorrow. So stay tuned with us. Hang on tight for that. We will be back soon. You're also going to have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos coming that's going to be previewing with the scout's eye, the Oakland Raiders, because, Zach, we are finally in a regular season game week. It's so exciting now to start turning our attention toward matchups that are going to count. These games, you know, they're meaningful, and it's a big game out of the gates. The Broncos are on the road. It's on Monday Night Football. And it's a division game. So we'll get more into the game as the week progresses here. But stay tuned for that. And again, we will touch on the 53-man roster. We'll break that down on the next show. But in the meantime, make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, at at Chad and Jensen. Jeez. Stay tuned because we will have Building the Broncos for you tomorrow. In the meantime, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.